Hi friend, if you love the information you hear in the podcast, then you will love the free mini series of videos that I've put together just for you. It's all about the biblical blueprint for health and teaches you exact principles I've taught to thousands of Christian women that result in weight loss, better sleep, increased energy, clearer skin, and sharper brains. You can go to thechristiannutritionist.com slash miniseries to grab this free set of short, powerful teachings that will show you how to create better health God's way. It's at thechristiannutritionist.com slash miniseries. Go check it out now. Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? I hope you had a very Merry Christmas and a wonderful day celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior. It's not something just to celebrate on one day of the year, but every day. And we try to do that here by talking about Jesus often, making him a part of our health efforts and anchoring our health goals and the purpose of being excellent vessels of his love in this world. When you feel good in and about your body, you show up more fully and vibrantly and live more into all that he created you to be. I have this longing in my heart to, I don't want to say raise up an army of healthy Christians, but kind (laughs) of, you know, just to raise up the health of Christians across the world so that they come alive into their purpose and stand at the ready to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I mean, we need all hands on deck, right? We need the team healthy. We need our heads and our hearts and our bodies in the game. Not heads overly preoccupied with diets and weight. Not hearts full of fear. Not bodies that are dragged down by unhealthy habits because we ain't got time for that right? So I hope that as you move into the new year with your health goals, that you'll look at it that way, you know, consider the bigger purpose for which you are making all of this effort and new change. The verse from John 6 27 comes to my mind here, it says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which Jesus will give you. It's kind of ironic, since mostly what we talk about here is food. (laughs) But that's exactly what I am saying. You know, food is perishable. Our bodies are perishable. Now, we need them both to live as humans. And the quality of how we live as humans is determined a lot about how we do that um, and the kind of food that we eat. But overall, let's keep our eyes on the prize here, right? Living eternally with our Lord by the blood of our Savior. It is very easy to become overly focused on the physical in the new year. And so I'm just kind of here to help help us stay grounded in the spiritual. And believe me, I need that for me. You know, in last week's podcast, how I was talking about 
how I still grapple, you know, with this fact that God asked me, called me to this. And that's because, I mean, I am a person who can kind of spiral off into that hyper focus on the physical and the mind drama. If not, if I'm not intentionally feeding my spirit, he knows that I know that I need him to do this. You know, that the scripture I seek to ground me might also resonate with you. I mean, you obviously want to take a spirit, mind, body approach to health because you're listening to this podcast and you don't want to become overly focused on the physical. So we're all in this together, my friend. You know, I'm just walking alongside you here with the same goals. You know, um, this makes me think of a friend of mine talking about this makes me think of this friend of mine who is a health coach for a different program, not Feast to Fast. And she's just kind of been worn down by the hyper focus of coaching people on their weight, you know, talking about weight all the time. Like she said, it has become mentally unhealthy for her, you know, for her primary focus to always be on weight loss and the weight loss of her clients. And I get that it would be for me too, if I didn't have this kind of check and balance of the spiritual purpose. You know, I feel like I have this protective shield around me from that, that God has put there. And I'm so grateful, you know, it kind of sounds weird or maybe it doesn't, but you know, that protective shield for me in Feast to Fast is our daily scripture. You know, we have a daily verse with a little kind of devotional or inspiration that goes along with it and a worship song. And that anchors each day of the program while we go through it. And do you know where that daily scripture inspiration comes from? My sermons on the couch, the original thing that God had me do. And so now I can see, you know, I can see how he was molding the clay for what would become feast to fast. But, you know, I had to do the sermons on the couch first. I had to be obedient in that first thing before I was ready for the next thing which was creating Feast to Fast. It's so fascinating, you know, in hindsight, because it makes sense now. But at the time, as I shared last week, I was like, you want me to do what? (laughs) And what I can also see in hindsight is that I needed those years of working with people one-on-one to understand the most pressing needs of the majority of the people, you know, that I was seeing. And that was blood sugar regulation and gut health. I found myself repeating the same advice, you know, over and over to one-on-one clients. And it got to the point that I felt that holy stir to reach more people with help. You know, because you get your blood sugar regulated and your gut working right. And you talk about feeling better in your body and showing up more fully in the world. I mean, your weight, your mood, your energy, your sleep, your shape. I mean, everything transforms. So that's how the physical part of Feast to Fast came about, you know, so we put these, the physical recommendations for the body along with the daily scripture for the spirit. And that is how Feast to Fast came together. The starting point of what I found worked so well for people as a nutritional approach was and is low carb. Now, this may not be an earth shattering revelation to you. You know, low carb is a pretty popular, well-known approach. But do you know why? Do you know why it's so effective and the mechanisms by which it transforms the body? Because that's what I want to talk about today. The first thing that we have to do, though, is define what's considered low carb. 
And this can vary, you know, a bit based on the source, you know, these ranges. But for the most part, um, zero to 30 grams is considered very low carb. So that would kind of be like in the ketogenic range. 30 to 100 grams is considered low carb. 150 to 250 grams is considered high carb. And then 300 and anything above that is considered too high. Like we're going into obesity range at that point. Now in Feast to Fast, we stay within that low carb range, but with even tighter parameters, closer to 50 to 75 grams. Now it's different on feast days, you know, we go higher carb, but for the everyday target, we're keeping it in that lower carb range. There are a lot of benefits to doing this, but today I'm going to talk about three big ones, okay? The first is that it minimizes your processed food intake. The second is that it keeps insulin low. And the third is that it can reduce gut inflammation. And these benefits translate into weight loss, better body composition, better sleep, increased energy, more stable moods, all of the things that I was talking about earlier when you regulate blood sugar and improve gut health. So let's talk through these um, in a little bit more detail. Number one is that a low-carb diet keeps processed foods low. So when you have a budget of carbs to spend each day, you are by default limiting your intake, right? Processed foods like chips, cookies, and bread blow the carb budget pretty quickly. You could easily spend your carb load in a few servings of chips and a granola bar. I mean, people are shocked when they realize how many carbs they're getting once they start paying attention. It's pretty easy to exceed that 300 gram um, range, you know, that level, which is the too high level, the one that puts you, um, gets you in that obesity range. And not to mention that processed foods are not the only foods that fall into the carbohydrate category. Vegetables, fruits, grains, and legumes all fall under that umbrella, which a lot of people don't realize. And in Feast to Fast, I break these carbs into three levels, our real food carbs, whole food carbs, and heck yeah carbs. And we work through each level systematically so that we just kind of slow our roll and really see how the different kinds of carbs contribute to our carb load and how they work for the body in terms of blood sugar regulation, gut health, and simply your personal preferences. When you realize how quickly you can blow your carb budget with oatmeal or rice or your daily smoothie, it makes you reevaluate what's worth it. You know, you get a little more choosy, a little more intentional. In Feast to Fast, we call it being the boss of your carbs instead of them, letting them be the boss of you. Does that mean you can't ever have the bread and the cookies and the ice cream? Girl, you know me. <laughs> of course it doesn't mean that. It means you have to be mindful of how you work them in. You know, you can work in some heck yeahs, but you'll have to keep it tight the rest of the day, unless it's a feast day, when your budget's a little bigger. But the beauty of it is you learn how to self-monitor this. And it doesn't mean deprivation, because you can still have your faves. You know, you just learn how to make it work. But because you do refine your intake of refined carbs, you automatically reduce your toxic load as well. These packaged foods, you know, they have low quality ingredients, things like high fructose corn syrup, industrial seed oils, food dyes, preservatives, 
artificial flavorings, and all kinds of other junk that overloads your gut, your liver, your brain, and all of the other systems of your body. The less of that that you eat, obviously the better for your body because it reduces the burden that your body has to bear. You know, there's nothing redeeming in processed foods. There's nothing helpful. Now, in Feast to Fast, we do our best to upgrade the heck yeahs. You know, we want to look for the highest quality ingredients in our chips and cookies and bread. You know, finding versions of your favorites that are gluten-free or non-GMO or organic or dye-free. You know, that's all better, but it's not like it's good for you. It's not contributing to your health. At this point, we're just trying to do some damage control and lessen the burden and toxic blow. But what helps the most is limiting how many processed carbs you eat in the first place. And that's why going low carb is a huge game changer. The next big benefit um, kind of helps to answer why that is. You know, aside from reducing your toxic load, keeping your processed foods low helps keep insulin low. And that's one of the most important keys to regulating your blood sugar and optimizing your weight. So insulin is the hormone that helps put glucose, put sugar into your cells for fuel, for energy. You know, carbohydrates turn to sugar in your body. Your body releases insulin, which is like the key that unlocks the cell door so that the sugar can get in there to be used. Your body either uses that sugar energy right away, you know, to fuel kind of what you're doing in the moment, or it gets stored in your liver or your muscles for later use. And then anything beyond that, you know, once you have kind of filled up your storage tanks of your liver and your muscles, the rest of it is put in your fat cells for storage. And that is why insulin is known as the fat storage hormone. It's not a bad hormone. I mean, we absolutely need it and would die without it but we just don't need it showing up all the time. Because when you are in storage mode, you are not in burning mode. Insulin blocks fat burning. When you're storing, you're not burning. Okay, and so we don't want a lot of insulin flooding our system all the time, because we want to be able to burn fat. And the thing is, of the three macronutrients, carbs, fat and protein, Carbs are what set off insulin most significantly because carbs turn to sugar in the body and your body can't have a bunch of sugar hanging out in your blood. That's dangerous. It needs to go somewhere. And that's what insulin does. It puts it away. And so circling back to the three levels of carbs that we work through in Feast to Fast, it's important to know that all carbs turn to sugar in the body. You know, people don't realize that, you know, even vegetables and their quote unquote, hard healthy grains, you know, turn to sugar in the body. So if you don't know that and you're eating oatmeal for breakfast and a sandwich and chips for lunch and a granola bar for a snack and tacos and rice and beans for dinner, I mean, first of all, you've probably blown out that 300 carb range and you've asked insulin to show up all day long because you have so many foods that turn to sugar that must be put away. And when you've exceeded that liver and muscle storage, those carbs, that sugar gets stored as fat. Now, broccoli doesn't make insulin show up like chips do. And quinoa doesn't make insulin show up like ice cream does. You know, the more processed and sugary the food, the quicker it spikes your blood sugar. And then the more like maniacally insulin comes running in to take care of it. 
But the point is, the more carbs you eat, the more insulin shows up. The more insulin shows up, the more energy or calories you store and the less you burn. By eating a diet lower in carbs, you have less foods turning to sugar and less insulin showing up. And therefore, you give your body more opportunity to burn fat. And who doesn't love that? Your body loves to burn fat if you give it the chance. And remember, the podcast I did about mitochondria, fat is a very clean fuel with less kind of smogginess, less of the junk um, byproduct that comes from burning carbs. But if you're eating too many carbs, your body can't utilize fat for fuel because you become stuck in sugar burning mode, you know, plus too much insulin also causes you to hold on to water weight. And so one of the first thing that happens when you go low carb is that you finally finally release some of that. And that's nice because it's like you get some quick positive reinforcement, you know, when you go low carb and your insulin goes low, you release that water weight, you're less puffy, you're less bloated, you can see your scale, you know, that scale number drop a little bit. Um, Losing that water weight is the first step. It's a great first step. So lowering insulin is a humongous game changer when it comes to your health and your weight. Now, the last major benefit of going low carb is that it can reduce gut inflammation, okay? Because carbohydrates feed our gut bacteria, both the good and the bad. And by that, I mean both good and bad carbs feed both good and bad bacteria, And number one, you don't want an overgrowth of bacteria in general, good or bad. But number two, you certainly don't want an overgrowth of bad bacteria. Remember that it's normal. It's normal to have a presence of both good and bad bacteria, just like it's normal for weeds to grow in your garden, right? But you try to minimize or get rid of the weeds. Otherwise, they take over and smother out your flowers. Same kind of thing in your gut. Bad bacteria smother out and overtake the good bacteria. And we need that good bacteria because it does a lot of things for our body. One of those things is to process and utilize carbohydrates. There's this symbiotic relationship there. Carbs feed our gut bacteria and our gut bacteria helps us utilize carbs, break them down for good purposes. But when that relationship is off, okay, when that's a bad relationship, like you're dating the bad boy, It's no longer a mutually beneficial relationship. That bad boy is using you. Your bad bacteria are using you, using the carbs you're eating to gain power and take over. We call this gut dysbiosis, which means imbalanced gut. You know, there's this imbalance of gut bacteria. Imbalance is just really not a strong enough word. It's more like a deranged gut because I I have run a lot of stool tests on people I've never had one come back that didn't have some level of gut dysbiosis. And this means gut inflammation. You know, and on an obvious and direct level, this may manifest as digestive issues, you know, gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea. It's believed that up to 84% of IBS symptoms, irritable bowel syndrome symptoms, may be caused by an overgrowth of bacteria in the intestines. Okay, and a lot of you suffer from that. But even if you have zero digestive issues, it doesn't mean you don't have gut inflammation. If you have anxiety, depression, migraines, skin problems, joint issues, sinus issues, and immune or autoimmune issues, I mean, you name it, that can be a symptom of gut inflammation. 
Remember that 60% of our immune system lies in the gut. So the more inflamed your gut, the less robust your immune system. Also keep in mind that the gut bacteria affect how efficiently or inefficiently that you extract calories from your food. I went into this deeper um, in podcast episode 100 called A Gut Reset to Budge Weight Loss. There are certain bacteria that help you use calories efficiently and others that make you use them less efficiently, okay, that extract more calories from your food. That's why you and your friend could be eating in the same healthy manner, but she loses weight and you don't. Now, that's not the only reason it could be, but if you have an overgrowth of bad bacteria that's keeping you from processing your food efficiently, well, that's a problem. It could be an underlying problem that you may not have even ever considered or realized could be going on. Now, another thing to keep in mind is that most of your serotonin, which is your feel-good hormone and neurotransmitter, is made in your gut. So if you got serotonin problems, you got gut problems. You know, all this to say, I could go on and on, okay? But all this to say that when someone has gut inflammation, when there's an overgrowth of bacteria, even if it's good bacteria, um, it creates health issues. So it can be helpful to lower carbohydrates, not only to stop feeding the bacteria, stop feeding the beast, but also to feel better because the carbs are not being broken down well in your gut, which creates a lot of that irritable intestinal situation. And y'all, this includes plants, plant matter, especially plant matter, because plants are hard to break down with all that roughage, you know, when you have imbalanced gut bacteria. That's why many, many nutritional therapy approaches involve minimizing plant foods while working on gut healing. Just like I talked about with River um, Yo when we discussed the GAPS diet, and as I talked about in episode 112 about, um, you know, therapeutic reasons to use animal-based diets. But all you hear about in the mainstream nutrition world is plant-based, plant-based, you know, plant-based. And that could be horrible for someone who has gut issues. That doesn't mean that you have to cut out plants forever, you know, I love vegetables. That's not, we're not talking that's like your forever plan, but it can be enormously helpful to feel better in the short term and to help heal the gut in the long term. But healing the gut is a whole other conversation and podcast. Um, today, I just really hope that you've gained a better understanding of why low carb diets work so well. And if you want to learn more about it and more of the nuances of how to apply it to individualize it and implement it for yourself, join us for Feast to Fast. Our new year round starts the first Monday in January, so in about a week. Uh, but you can sign up now. And as soon as you sign up, you get access to all of the materials, you know, so that you can get prepared or even get started early if you want to. I know a lot of people like to stir, start on January 1st or um, the very next day on the 2nd. We're starting on the 3rd this year because it's the first Monday. We always start the first Monday in January. Um, but if you want to start early, you'll have everything you need. And even if you want to start a few days late, that's fine too. Some people don't like to start until their kids are back in school, like after the holiday break's totally over. That's not a problem either. It's not going to mess you up if you come in a few days late. And I would love, love, love to meet you and know you and teach you and walk alongside you as we honor both our spiritual and physical 
health goals in the new year. So come join us. Come get in our group. You can sign up at feastafast.co. Okay, my friends, thank you so much for listening. Happy New Year. Have a healthy and blessed week, and I will talk to you soon. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.